0: Welcome to the Authors Who Lead podcast. This podcast is dedicated to you, people who want to be inspired by authors, leaders, and the messages they share. This is such an important podcast to us because we help uncover what goes on behind the scenes when authors are writing their book. We talk about the process. We talk about where they get big ideas, and you can listen in on those conversations. We can't wait for you to join us. So let's get started. Hey everybody, Asul Toronis from the Authors Who Lead. Thank you so much for listening in. Today we're going to talk about what's your biggest challenge when it comes to writing a book. I've been asking this question of my listeners and my audience. And so if you've submitted a question, I really appreciate you. And we're going to hear from several people today, and I'm going to address some of their concerns and questions. And one of the things that I observed and the patterns that happen when people have a challenge in writing their book is they're all pretty much within several groups. So today we're going to talk about a few of those today. And one of the things you'll hear is how they get stuck and what their wonder is about what's next. I hope this helps you because if you hang on to the end, we're going to tell you a little bit more about how I can help you, maybe personally, to get your book out of your head and into the hands of your ideal readers.
1: Hello, Azul. Thank you so much. I have the title. I have an idea what it should contain, but I think my biggest problem is Penning it in such a way that connects strongly with the readers and that they would understand me and make for a good, excellent read. That's my problem. I think that's what's kept me
0: from starting. Thank you so much, Chanel. So that's a really great question you wonder is, how do I connect strongly with my reader? And what I notice is that most people really want to do a good job when they're writing a book. They want to deliver it so it sounds good, that their readers are pleased. And ultimately, what we're worried about is if this is going to be any good. And you're like, wow, that's true. I want it to be good. I want you to remember that it being good has nothing to do with you. It's up to the reader to decide if it's good, bad. And it only means that it's not right for them now, or maybe they're not the right audience. But to connect with the reader, I want you to think of it as this. Think of it as you're writing a letter to that, really, that person who needs to hear this. If you could sit them down in a room and say, look, let me tell you why this topic is so important to me. This is why it matters. And if you could spend five hours sitting by the fire, sipping tea, talking to them, what would you tell them? What's the tone that you would have? What would you caution them with? Talk to your readers like they're there with you. Don't try to be an academic, unless your audience is academic. Talk to them as if they're right there in the room with you. So if you ever listen to an audiobook and you hear the author reading and you feel like it just resonates with you, that's because they're thinking of you. They're thinking of you, the ideal reader, the person they really want to connect with. And for others, they listen to it and they just don't feel that same way. And that's a good thing. It can't be for everyone. It has to be specifically for the response of the readers you're trying to connect with. So think of it as this, put dear, and the name of your ideal reader, dear to this is for you. Basically, if you put the word dear in front of it, you'll help you to really get clear, help you to find your voice. Don't try to write in some other voice, write in your own voice. That's how you connect with a reader. Thank you so much for your question.
1: Hi Azul, my name is Michelle Banyo and I'm an aspiring author. I haven't written a book yet, but the book that I'm going to write is the Bereaved Parents Heart Book, or other people have suggested that I name my book, Mommy, Half of Me is Gone. I am a grief specialist and parent coach who has a message for parents who are raising early childhood aged bereaved siblings. So children Who have lost a sibling in early childhood. That was my own experience when my six year old son died of cancer and his three year old sister said to me, mommy, half of me is gone. That was 20 years ago. And my biggest challenge in writing my book is that I have gained so much wisdom from so many places. And I just so want to encourage parents who are just devastated by child loss and just really not knowing how to see their way forward with everything that I've gathered over the last 20 years. And of course, I can't put all of that into a book and expect them to read it. So my biggest challenge is really distilling down all that I want to offer them, first of all. And secondly, really putting myself back there where they are and remembering what they really need, what would help them the most. It's that, what would you say to yourself? If you could talk to your younger self, what would you say? If I could talk to my bereaved parent self 20 years ago, what would I want to say? So that's my biggest challenge.
0: Michelle, thanks so much for your question. What's really a wonderful thing is when you become an expert or you've overcome something and you've been at it for a while and you have a lot of confidence and clarity about where you are, it is hard to return to the spot of the person just beginning this journey. And that's why I tell my authors that I'm working with, I want you to think of yourself as the guide, not the guru. Gurus who live in caves somewhere far away and have been so removed from what you're going through are hard to relate to. And so your dilemma of is what I call the expert dilemma, because when you often have knowledge, the problem with that is you also have a a lapse of memory about how hard it really was. And actually, you need a lot less than you think to start to make progress. So what I would do is do a visual activity, map out all the things that came to you that were required for you to get here, maybe even plot out your journey going in reverse order. You've got to reconnect to that moment and not just the things you did, but the way you felt, the way you remember seeing the world versus the way you see it now. That pain, that struggle, that's what your reader needs to know you are the right guide because the guide's just in front of you saying, Duck, here comes a branch. A guru waits and said, Did you get hit by the branch? And you say, Yes. And so it doesn't really help you to be so far ahead of them. You've got to be right just before them so you can warn them about things that might be coming. And then, secondly, so when you're doing that, how you help them is return to that, do some remembering of moments, like show us what it was like. Don't tell us what it was like, show us. What was the expression, your feelings, your emotions you were having in that time? Go back to that stage and think of it like a movie. That picture will help you return to that simple state. And when you can do that, you'll really make an impact to your reader because they'll really appreciate the fact that someday they'll get to where you are, but that you really understand who they are now in their role. And it sounds like you have a really great role in helping people, but don't get too far ahead of yourself. Don't try to write with all the wisdom. They don't need the fire hose. They probably more than likely need just a few drips from you to get started on their journey to become better or more more whole in the sense. And I really hope this helps. Hey,
1: Azul, Brad Miller here. We were in Cliff Ravenscraft's event together in his basement back in August of 17. We got to know each other and you were on my podcast talking about your stuff. And I'm interested in your program, learning more about it. My particular, I've been working on my book since we met back then four years ago, and I haven't got it done yet. My issue is the daily discipline, the daily progress that I need to make. I get going, I get stuck. I've written probably around 15 or 20,000 words, but I need to get it completed. So my challenge is that daily discipline of either a word count or uh, something like that. So I just need some hints, or some direction, some focus on the daily disciplines.
0: Brad, it's so good to hear from you. So glad that you reconnected here. And you're experiencing something that most people who are writing a book can experience, which is how do I stay on track? How do I find the daily discipline and commit to a daily progress that helps me get my book done? It's one thing to get part of it done, but a book that's partially done will never get into the world. So, my best advice I'll uh, borrow from one of my virtual and, and real life mentors is Chris Gilliwell. When I asked him about his book, The $100 Startup in 2013, I wanted to ask him, what was his writing schedule? What did he do? And he simply said, I write 500 words a day. That's it. And it was so simple. I wanted it to be more complex. I wanted it to be so much more difficult. And he you goes, know, Some days I write that in a half hour. Some days it takes me an entire hour. Sometimes longer. But all I do is commit to 500 words a day. And Aiden McGath, which is another person who's on our show early on, was 16 years old, wrote this book in between classes and in the middle of his senior year of high school at the beginning of college. He told me the same thing. I just commit to 500 words a day and I don't miss, even if I don't keep all those words. So the habit doesn't have to be long. 500 words, that's not long. That's not even a complete blog post. That's fairly short. So, commit to something you can do. Now, 500 words might feel like a lot to you. So, maybe it's 250 words. It doesn't take a lot to commit to a gentle path, but it's the consistency of writing on a regular basis that will help you be accountable to your progress. And I hope that gets you back on track. Our programs, we give a word tracker that helps people so they can visually see and calculate all the words that they write so that they can see how much it accumulates over time. And that's really helpful because it gives them the sense of progress rather than always checking. They go to the tool and they put in their words for that day and something we use and develop so that we can help our authors feel confident that they're going to finish their book and not, they won't be writing forever. Thanks for your question, Brad. Hey Azul, it's your buddy, Alex Barker. Now the biggest challenge I have when I'm working on my book is what is happening right now and it's the editing process. I love getting my idea out there and, and I just wish it was perfect in its current form. The way I've gotten around this is by working with a co-author for my book who is more of an editor and is helping me in that way. But by myself, I just find the process of editing laborious. I don't like it. Although new ideas do come to me, but it really just slows me down when I'm working on the editing process. I just loathe it. Alex, so good to hear from you. Yes, I appreciate that you're sharing your struggles. Now, if you're like most writers, or at least creatives, editing is not the part they love most. In fact, it's the part they loathe. So you're in good company. But the truth is, books aren't written, they're rewritten. And I know I would love to just write a first draft and be done, but that's not what a book is. And you're very fortunate to have a co-writer who likes to do the editing part. That's great. That's something you can do. If you have somebody who wants to be a co-author and you produce the content and they're the editors, that's something you can do. You could even give them some sort of credit on the book and say written with or something like that. But if you don't have a co-writer or a co-author that's good at editing, what do you do? What do you do when you hate editing? I try to tell people, don't think of editing as a long process. In fact, make it as short as possible. In fact, I encourage people to treat editing like an event. So what I mean by that is maybe have some people sit around with you or a single person and read it out loud to you. And you can then edit it in real time. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Hang on a sec. Let me fix that. And yes, it takes some time to read a book out loud and edit it, but you're not trying to make it perfect. Remember, professional editors' job is to make it perfect. Your job is to get the content clear. So just edit for clarity, edit for your voice, edit for what you're trying to say. Don't try to edit everything. Our company, Mandala Tree Press, our publishing company, we have often have four or five editors get their hands in a manuscript. So four different editors are touching it. So it's not that you're the only one that has to offer an opportunity here. So just treat it like you're getting your best foot forward and then go from there. You'll have to do edits along the way. But I I hate to say there is no way around it unless you choose to have Alex does, somebody help you out, which is always an option. And that's why, honestly, most books that you read, even those on the New York Times bestseller list, are written by ghostwriters because it's a painful process when the writer puts the words on a page. Because editing is really where the hard work comes in. Eh, I know that doesn't sound pleasant, but that's the truth. And I want you to make it easy on yourself by remembering writing doesn't have to be a solo sport, uh, like in school where you hid your paper, didn't let anyone look or help you. Writing is more of a team sport where you actually involve other people to help you make your manuscript better. All right, I hope that helps. Thank you so much for all of you who have been sending your responses to my question. What's your biggest challenge when it comes to writing a book? But we'll also have another part to this to also answer more questions here because these questions that your peers send in really help those of you who are listening. And I want you to be paying special attention because coming up here soon, we are having a special event. We are actually doing a live, what we're calling book camp. Yes, a book camp. And a book camp is a three-day live event where you get to join us for three full days of working on your book plan the writing plan, the publishing plan, and the marketing plan in three days. So you have it all mapped out. In fact, we're gonna get more done in three days than most people get done in three months. And it's because you have a guide, me, live in person, answering questions, giving you things to do, where you have to do the assignments, you get feedback, you take action, there's homework, and you walk away with a plan to get your book done. Be mindful of this because we want you to get your book out into the world. And that's bookcamp.live. We'll be sharing with you our breakthrough to bestseller book camp about how to get your book out of you. We're thrilled that it's happening and we want you to be excited as well. We really want you to enjoy this process with us. So don't forget to join us. The book camp starts on May 12th. So if you're listening to us in the future, we'll have more. You can go to bookcamp.live to get more information about the next one. And this current one, it's an all day event where you get live help to write your book. Again, thank you so much for submitting your questions. And for those of you listening, I really appreciate you committing yourself To sharing your journey with the world. Thank you for listening again to another episode of Authors Who Lead. We appreciate you being here and we hope you subscribe so you get this delivered to your device every week. And if you haven't left us a review, please do so. It really helps. And if you have a book in your heart, you've been wanting to write a book, please go to authorswholead.com and join us on this journey of becoming a published author.